Hey everyone, I'm Dominique. Welcome to More Grats. I'm glad you decided to waste some time with me. Also, thank you for hanging in here with me during this kooky spooky month of October. You know, the month of October is kind of weird for us because Heidi, my sister and partner, is on vacation for the whole entire month. Uh, that means I am just trying to keep this little disaster going without her and it's been a little rough. So thanks again for, for sticking with me. We will welcome Heidi back for episode 26 on November 2nd. And I really can't wait because I miss her. And while I'm being sappy, I wanted to share something with you guys. Um, the other day, my mom and I were getting ready to go out for coffee. And before I picked her up, I had gone through all the stuff in my mind that I wanted to say to her. Um, I wanted to tell her that she's a good mom to my brothers and my sister and me while we were growing up. And I also wanted to let her know that I never ever thought she didn't have her her family's best interests at heart. I wanted to assure her I recognized the, sac the sacrifices she made for all of us and that I really appreciated her and that I love her endlessly. But when I got to her house and she got in my car, what came out of my mouth was, Mom, I'm not good at this, but I want you to know you're a good mom and a really good person. And she looked at me kind of shocked because I just blurted it out. But then she teared up and said, thank you. And that was that. But the point of this is, is that sometimes we want to say things to people and we feel like we really need to say things to people, but we're not quite sure how to do it. And we don't want to sound dumb. Well, it's not in the delivery. You don't have to be eloquent. Make sure the people you know, you love know you love them and appreciate them. Life throws us curveballs sometimes and you never know what tomorrow will bring. Even if you sound and feel a little awkward, it's better to make sure they know how you feel rather than hope they know you did even after you can't tell them anymore. So I don't know who needed to hear that, but there it is. Um, before we start, we want to remind you that we are talking about death. If you are easily offended by rude humor and foul language or are particularly sensitive to discussions about death, you may want to pass on this podcast. We are wildly inappropriate at times, but that comes directly from growing up in a funeral home. The way we insulate ourselves is by humor, and for us, it's a lot better to laugh even when you feel like crying. Well, since we recently did an episode all about embalming, I thought it was only fair to do one all about cremation. Cremation rates are going up every year for various reasons. I pulled up some charts and statistics and then I thought, who cares? Do you really want to hear all the projections and trends and the reasons people are choosing cremation over burial? No, I don't think so. You're here for the gross stuff and that's okay. I hope to deliver. That's why today we will talk with a real life cremationist. And our funeral home story tells about the adjustment period the undertaker and his wife went through when they installed a crematory at their funeral home. This episode will be graphic and gruesome because it describes the cremation process and what happens to bodies when they are cremated. As always, listener discretion is advised. That said, welcome to episode 24, Smoking Hot Bodies. Well, for this episode, I have probably the best human being on the planet no, as my please. guest. <laughs> he is he is the best human oh, on the planet. He is a licensed funeral director and embalmer, a deputy coroner, and he was also a cremationist before he retired into old married life with me. My husband, Derek, is joining us. Derek, how are you tonight? I'm great. <laughs> yes, you are great. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
Again, like our embalming episode, this is not to dissuade people from choosing cremation for their loved one, but there are disgusting things that happen when a body gets burned. It's just a fact. So first of all, before we talk about cremation, we should, we're going to toss up different terms and things. So what are other words that a a crematory goes by? Like crematory or retort. Retort. We say retort, retort a lot. Retort in the industry. That's would be kind of what they would say. But okay. in the presence of the public, you would always say crematory. Use crematory. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, as far as where the smoke comes or where the yeah stack where, stack we call it a stack. Yep. Not a chimney. A stack is what it it's would be stack, called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So Derek. Dominique. <laughs> when you're going to. Um, cremate a body is there any special prep that needs to be done to a body that's going to be cremated there is not necessarily any special prep other than the prep that you would do on a on a body whether they're being cremated or whether they're being uh embalmed or not embalmed mm-hmm. and just whatever. something you would do with everybody yeah, disinfecting okay you know and some body washing and some things like that okay yeah. and why would you do that for like dignity or something or be dignity and also uh you'd when you pick up a dead body you know you're moving the body right and so you're expelling things from their lungs mm-hmm. but you don't know what that could be um just it's just hygienic and okay. safe you know and you know sometimes you might have somebody might have messed themselves when they you know mm-hmm. or whatever um when their their bowels might have re- released after they died so what not so yeah you want yeah so no special prep other than just um what you just would do for what everybody. you would do for everybody okay all right well um is there can people usually just go right into the crematory or do they need thing, certain things need to be removed or? The only thing that has to be removed for cremation is a pacemaker. Pacemakers are required to be removed. Okay. And why is that? Because they are little batteries in them and they explode. Okay. So if you were to look at a pacemaker, probably most people have seen one. Google it if you haven't. But they're like an eighth to a quarter inch thick and they're about the size of an egg flat kind of oval shaped generally and uh, if you were to put that through the crematory it could ex- it will explode it's not even a question if it could it will it, it will explode and then that that thing will look like a real egg it will be all puffed out with a hole in it where it where it exploded and that can be dangerous yeah it can be dangerous because you open up a crematory several times during the cremation process and um, if it should explode while you are opening it up to monitor or to stir, mm-hmm. um, it could it could kill you. It could okay. hurt you or okay. make you. May, yeah, and it, it, it really it could give you a really ugly face. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and it could really take a toll on your crematory too. Yeah, because yeah, it, yeah, it could it could it could it could damage damage the crematory. Okay, yeah. okay, all right. Well, I know a lot of people are a lot of people are nervous about getting. Uh, they want to make sure that they get their loved one's ashes back. What is the, how do you, um, how do you make sure that that happens? So what's the process of like maybe identification? So generally speaking, 
every funeral home, and I'm guessing every funeral home, I can't imagine a funeral home not. But generally speaking, when you pick somebody up who has died, you tag them with their name. Um, there might be some instances where you would wait until you got to the funeral home to tag somebody because of an auto accident or something there where the individual's uh, been body bagged or, or dismembered maybe a little bit. Or something. But anyway, yeah, you always identify the, the, um, the body at the time of death. We live on a, we're a border state, so we have, we live in Washington and we have Oregon and we have, there's two different rules there in Oregon. They all require that you tag the body uh, when you receive it, but Oregon issues a tag. They actually have a tag that they supply. I don't know if they charge for that, do they? Do they charge for those tags? No. You would give a, a issue a, a tag and that tag stays with the body at all times and generally that tag will go with the funeral home or whoever's picking the individual up at the time of death usually usually the, they keep those in the first call color or something to that effect Washington's different they don't have a tag that is issued by the state okay so and then the crematory has a tag all crematories have a tag. So you'd have the name of the crematory on there and then you'd have a number. Okay. And then you would just, you know, you might, you might. And then, then that, and that's an organ as well. I think mm -hmm. every crematory has their own tags. Okay. And then that stays with the body the whole time. And then it's documented on several different layers of documentation. Mm -hmm. And then that tag is... Either placed in the cream in the cremains in the urn selected, or it's placed on the bag by a, a like a wire, wire tire mm -hmm. or a zip tie or something in that effect. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you would tape it on. But that tag stays with the cremated remains. Whatever you, whatever label or tag or whatever you put on the urn, you would also put that tag number on the the urn or the the outside label mm -hmm. okay so so for us we we would have that cremation number written on their file it would be on their cremation authorization yep. on the paperwork for the crematory yep. everywhere and then the cremation tag actually goes into the cremator yep. with them and then with the cremated remains so yep. that tag it's on the it's on yeah. everything yeah. and then so and it's cross-checked constantly it's cross-checked a number of different different ways yeah right right so that tag is with that person that person has their name on them already by a like an ankle tag or mm -hmm. something like that so so it i mean we all know that it happens that um people have gotten the wrong cremated remains but it's um but it would ha the only way that could happen would be human negligence yeah because if but mistakes happen yes mistakes there's, happen there, yes there's but, there's no question of that but right. um but the safeguards are there and it's it would be rare for you to get somebody else's cremated remains very rare yeah, yeah. very rare okay. especially this day and age right with the advent of several lawsuits well yeah a people a lot of a lot of a lot of well, yeah well people are just careful and plus you were mentioning the trust 
people trust yeah. you and I mean you so and, that, yeah and people don't uh, funeral directors um, hold that trust dear I mean they yeah I, I remember when I was I remember when I was in school it's just a long time ago but um, I think most small town funeral directors are uh, traditionally held in a pretty high regard as far as in within their community um, as far as trusting them yeah yeah um, you, you, pretty trustworthy you have, people yeah. yeah yeah so the cremation process should, you should probably tell us a little bit about what a cremator because there are different components to it right. so what is telling you about a, an actual retort what like, so a cremate, uh, uh, most crematories are um, two-chambered. There is two chambers. There's the cremation chamber. Where the body which goes. Is where the body goes. Okay. And generally that's, you open up the door and you slide the body in and that's the cremation contain, uh, chamber and then you close the door. Underneath that, the floor of that cremation chamber is a separate chamber that has, the back of the crematory has a, or the cremation chamber in the back has a hole and it goes underneath and and through some baffles and then goes kind of in a big U-shape, right? Uh, goes from the back down underneath the floor of the cremation chamber, um, then back out the back and then up through a stack. Okay. That chamber is what we call the after chamber, but that chamber is designed to... Burn up the particulates to burn up the the smoke. So you don't want smoke coming out of your crematory. It happens. There's some moments where uh, it just happens because it's yeah. it's a burn. Right. Um, if uh, everything's monitored and regulated right, then uh, you shouldn't shouldn't have any any smoke or very little. You're allowed some. Right. But that chamber is the important one from the uh, from from ecology standpoint. That you know you don't want all that that smoke going up there. You just want to see heat waves. Okay, know? right, like heat waves, like yeah. yeah, what would come off the pavement yeah. on a hot day. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's. So okay. So. That's the cremation chamber. What about, what's the process then with the body? You're ready to so cremate. somebody passes away. <laughs> Once we get to the point where we got the cremation authorization signed and we got, and we're ready to go. Um, we would check to see if the individual has a pacemaker. If they have a pacemaker, we will remove that. All right. It's because we don't want to burn a cremate. Pacemaker. Pacemaker. Right. Uh, then we place the body in the, in the cremation cont- a chamber, and uh, then you then then you would start the cre- you could start it beforehand, but to warm it up to warm it up. Mm-hmm. So when the when the when the afterburner when the afterburner chamber is um, gets to the temperature of sixteen hundred degrees, then we turn on the cremation chamber and we start cremating. Okay. And you want to maintain, you know, usually the cremation chamber or the afterburner chamber will just kind of, st- if, if everything's, all your switches and thermostats and everything are working right, then it'll just maintain a, seven, a 1600 degree um, 
temperature and then the, the, the body will be burning in the cremation chamber At the rate, it depends. It depends. So about how it long? It depends. Uh, if it's a first burn of a day, it could be four, four and a half hours because you have to bring the machine up the temperature. And that takes a while. It takes a while, depending on the weather outside and whatnot. If it's really cold, it'll take longer. If it's warm, it won't take so long. Or if you had a late cremation the day before, okay. it might already be warm. Um, and then, but then the next one might take two and a half hours. Okay. And then the next one might take two hours. I mean, if the, if the crematory is hot, mm-hmm. it's cremation will go much better. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I also might add that sometimes it's more difficult to cremate a very small emaciated body because the body doesn't have any fuel. No fat on it. No. So okay. a big person, you don't have to add fuel. You just get the individual burning and you turn off all the all the natural gas to it in the cremation chamber and let it burn and the body will burn itself itself out yeah wow okay i i did know that but the the little old the little old gal that's 85 pounds and just bone she has no fuel so you have to keep the the flame on her and 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 um to get to get her to burn because there's nothing that's so funny because people would people would always think that Oh, a little person. She weighs like she yeah. weighs eighty five pounds. It's not going to take very much or take. No, very long. it might take more. Actually, yeah. take more natural gas to cremate that person because they have no fuel to huh. to, to, to go. Whereas a big person, yeah, could 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 provide its own fuel. Okay, so all right, so the body is burning, and you say, okay, let's say it's going for four hours. It's been burning for four hours. What? Do you have to do anything during that four hours? Yeah, to- so we would open it up periodically to rearrange the body and the crematory to make sure that everything is under the flame. Okay. So so if, if you put somebody in the crematory, generally, there's all different kinds of types of crematories, but the one we use is the 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 flame is right on about the chest. Okay. And eventually, you know, your thighs or whatever would burn away. So you would have, it wouldn't be maintaining contact with the, the burner. So you would want to keep all of your fuel and all of your your uh, body underneath the burner. So we keep a good, efficient so cremation. So basically you'll open it up and you'll rake the body into like a pile under the flame. Yeah, keep moving yep. it around or sometimes, yep. yeah. And you call that stirring. Yeah, stirring. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any other word for it. There might right. be a more sophisticated word for it, but we're just mo- we're just pu- moving, keeping keeping the body in a spot where it's going to burn more efficiently. Got it. Okay. All right. So let's say the body is the flesh is burned away, <clears throat> and you're left with the skeleton. Right. So a lot okay. of people don't understand <clears throat> when you look in a crematory. Let's just say that you did not do any. Stirring. You just put the body just in. Just put and the let, body okay. in and walked away and let it mm-hmm. cremate. If, and if you went back and the body was totally cremated, you would see a skeleton in there. It would be brittle. It would be kind of chalky. Uh, I always kind of thought it was like kind of like clay, uh, fire, clay, kind of a deal. It's dusty and and whatnot. So if you actually looked in there, you could tell it was a a, a, a skeleton. But anyway, we would rake that out at the front of the of the crema, 
inventory, when you open up the door, there's a hole and it goes down into a box. You would rake all that into this box. Um, many places vacuum it after that. We had a vacuum. And uh, uh, then we would let them cool, additionally cool, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until they're at a temperature that you could pulverize down to the consistency that the state requires. Okay. Which I couldn't tell you what that is. But yeah. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, Anyway, so what when you're getting cremated remains, they don't come out of the crematory the looking like what they do when you get them back. You have to you rake those bones, the bones into a box and take them to vacuum it out, take it to, a, a, to like a big blender. It's like a blender, okay? And we remove all the metal. So we have magnets, we remove all the metal, we remove the surgical stainless steel screws, things like that, which aren't magnetized so you have to kind of sift through it all mm-hmm. um, we remove all of that and then we put it into this big blender a processor is what I think the Processing. industry word would be and then uh, um, pulverize it down to the consistency that you would find in your urn or your mm-hmm. they're urn. more like that's what the the result is the ashes yeah which aren't it's actually, really not ashes at not, all they're it's, not ashes it's, it's they're ground up bone ground up bones is what your ashes are yeah okay and we were talking that um if you like sometimes i would have to to um transfer from one urn to another or put some cremated remains into some like keepsake jewelry and if i got any on my hands which you always do you wash and you wash it off and you're those ashes make your it's hands so fine. slimy. It's so fine dust, and it, they make them. It's real. Oh. It's like clay. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it it would be the same. That real fine dust is kind of like when you have a little bit of pottery on your fingers. Mm-hmm. And it's really slimy and slick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so you've processed the cremated remains, and they're really ashes. Are not the ashes? They're not like fireplace ashes. Mm-hmm. They are actually burned. Ground, ground up bones. Okay. All right. So, um, what are some dangerous or disgusting or both things that happen with cremation? I think the, well, I don't know that people need to understand. I think what people don't realize, cremation is not a peaceful process. It's a fire burning, essentially meat. And uh, when that, when a body burns, the muscles are contracting. And, and so you could actually have arms. You could put somebody in there with their arms at the side, and then they could be up higher mm-hmm. uh, during the burn. Kind of a little movement there. Um, big people, I don't have to tell. I don't have to tell anybody, but if there's one person that knows or understands uh, how big people are nowadays. It would be the undertaker, the undertaker and probably nurses, but, uh, we're big, we're big in this country. And, and, um, so when you have a very large person, obese person, they have a lot of fuel and you could actually, the biggest risk is to have a grease fire. So that would be a situation where you got so much fat fat in the crematory that it would overflow 
and get outside the, the door and then flow into the crematory area. Because, I mean, you can't you can't put a grease fire out, right? You right. have to have special um, uh, foam or something like that that will dis- extinguish a grease fire. Right. Um, and crematories have burned down because of... Oh, yeah. Of, I'm sure. Yes. Many times. Yes. Well, many have. Yeah. 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 So one of the processes that you do when you have an obese person, I generally... I think our rule of thumb was anybody over 300 for sure. We, normally, you would load feet first. Put them into the cremator. Yeah, feet so first. that the mm-hmm. chest is right underneath the the uh, cremation burner. But big people, anybody over 300 pounds, you would load backwards. You'd load them head first so that all of that fuels at the back of the crematory. And um, there's usually a little lip at the front of the crematory chamber to keep anything from flowing flowing out but but it um, has right oh yeah yeah it, it absolutely it absolutely it has there's 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 uh you have to be i, I know one i know of an instance where we had where the, the individual should have been turned around and wasn't and there was grease leaking over the edge of the door down into the, into the pan and uh not happy about that yeah um but uh yeah, it could be very. It could be very. That can be very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So normally, what you would do with a, and I think we just talked about that, right? About the emaciated right. lady would right. be right. harder to burn than the, the big person. But right. that's that's the scary part. I don't have any. I don't have. But it's, any really. Have you ever stories? Have or, you ever um, opened a? Let's say you put somebody in, and. Um, their, you know, their hands were at their, or their arms were at their side, and you went in to stir. Yeah, and I mean, that'd be straight up. Their arms would be straight up? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I bet that yeah. freaked you out. Not really, because I knew. You I mean, knew I understand, good. yeah, because I know what was going on, but it, right. you notice it for sure. Yeah. Well, it's it, because it we're we're animals. I mean, we're... People don't realize sometimes we're animals. We When we die, our body goes through the same process as a cow or a horse or a chicken or anything, mm-hmm. you know? We get the same gases build up in our stomach. You know, just, you know, we smell, mm-hmm. we, we smell the same as, a, you know, a beef is, yeah. or whatever. I mean, cremation smell isn't any different than barbecue smell, in all honesty. I mean, it's meat. We're meat. We are, um, <laughs> folks, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are dark meat. We, our breasts are not white meat. We are dark meat. Oh, gross. <laughs> um, and also people, so have you ever had people ask to pull gold teeth out? Yeah, we've had people request teeth and to pull teeth, but I will never, I, I'm not a dentist. Mm-hmm. I, I People have asked to have teeth pulled and we will remove, we will collect teeth after the cremation has taken place, but I will not pull teeth before the cremation. No, that's almost If like, they want, yeah, that would be mutilation. I think yeah, the state right. would really frown on that. Right. They could bring it, they could call their dentist. They could have a dentist come in and pull the teeth. I think some people have actually called um, their dentist and the dentist have said, no, yeah, we're not doing not, that. Not I'm not going to do that. But you, you know what? The gold and the the, or the, 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 the the metals that that are made and teeth, they'll be there at the end of the cremation. Right. I mean, the teeth don't look... They, they're they, charred. They're but, charred. They but don't... if you scrape them on a file or sandpaper, they would become gold again. They're right. just, right. they're not, uh, they don't melt. Right, right, right. Oh my gosh. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? 
uh, I don't know. We talked about the cremate, cremate about the pacemaker, right? Mm-hmm. The pacemaker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What else? I'm having a hard mm-hmm. time focusing because he's actually sitting on the. We're on the couch in our living room, and he's naked. <laughs> I'm not naked. I'm total, folks. I'm totally clothed. Um, I can totally see you. He's got he okay. I got a poncho on. He's got a poncho on, but I just got out of the shower. He's naked under the poncho, so it's a little distracting. I'm, I'm for naked me. under all my clothes. <laughs> I find that so weird. <laughs> I mean, I think. Okay. Well, thanks for. Derek does not listen to the podcast, so I'm happy that he decided to come and join me. I lived it, folks. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He says it. I don't need to listen to your podcast. So I know what it's all about. Well, are and you? It doesn't have anything to do with hockey and motocross so, and <laughs> politics. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> uh, so, well, are you ready for our funeral home story? You know I am. <laughs> I had to practice that a few times. <laughs> Oh, by the way, folks, I want everybody to know that Dominic is sitting on the couch here. She's naked under her clothes, too. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that I am. That's true. All right. The undertaker and his wife knew they would have to do it eventually. And really, it was the right thing to do. But installing their own crematory was going to be expensive. And worries came right along with the planning. While the undertaker fretted over how long it would take to pay off the new equipment, the undertaker's wife obsessed about when the retort would explode and burn everything to the ground. And even though the crematory company representative, the installer, and the man who trained the undertaker on how to run the thing all insisted that the monstrous machine was safe, the undertaker's wife still worried the disaster loomed right around the corner. A new building had to be constructed to house the retort and sat 50 yards west of the chapel. Just getting the machine to the funeral home property turned out to be such a spectacle, it drew dozens of curious onlookers and a reporter from the local paper. A crane had to be employed to set the behemoth in place. People stood back, awed and apprehensive at the same time. And the machine looked impressive. Diamonds silver diamond plate glinted in the sunlight, reflecting on the crowd like a giant disco ball. The undertaker and his wife couldn't blame people for being interested. Really, how many times does one get to see a cremator? A few weeks and several cremated bodies later, the undertaker and his wife adjusted to the responsibility of having a cremator on the premises. Sure, it took extra time to walk up to the other building and monitor the machine, but it was a lot more convenient than driving dead people to another city for cremations. And the townspeople seemed more at ease knowing their loved ones didn't have to be transported elsewhere to have their final wishes carried out. One night, after they had closed the office and settled into their evening routine, the undertaker's wife looked at her husband and smiled. She loved it when he did something unexpected, even if things didn't work out as he planned. Tonight, it seemed he was trying to cook dinner. However, the ever so slight scent of charring in the air ruined his surprise. Still, she appreciated the effort. Thank you for starting dinner, she said. The undertaker looked puzzled. I'm not starting dinner. The undertaker's wife sniffed. I smell barbecue. You're not grilling something? At once, the undertaker and his wife sprinted to the window and looked toward the building that housed the cremator. To their horror, Black smoke billowed from the stack in a churning, poisonous-looking, vaporous vomit. 
Oh my God, exclaimed the undertaker's wife. Call the fire department. We don't need the fire department, said the undertaker, slipping into his coat. I probably just need to adjust something. He trotted out of the house and the undertaker's wife wrung her hands, pacing, wondering if she should gather up the family photos in case they needed to evacuate. Her thoughts were interrupted by the shrill ring of the telephone. Acme Funeral Home, she answered, voice breaking. Hey, it's John, said the voice belonging to the fire chief. We got a call from one of your neighbors. Seems there's some smoke up there. I'm just checking to see if that's a normal thing with that new machine or if you think we should respond. The undertaker's wife swallowed and said, I don't think you need to respond. My husband said he just needed to adjust something. I'm sure the smoke will clear soon. John, the fire chief, chuckled. Well, at least you know it's working. I don't think it's supposed to do that, replied the undertaker's wife. It's like anything, I suppose, said John. You just need to get used to it. They ended the call with John agreeing to contact the neighbors to let them know everything was all right and a promise from the undertaker's wife to call if anything got out of control. Ten minutes passed and she heard the back door open and slam. Then her husband's booted feet tromped up the stairs and into the living room where she continued to pace. What happened? she asked. He shrugged off his coat and hung it on a hook by the front door. I had to turn on the throat air. There's a big person in there. They smoke sometimes. He strode toward the kitchen. She followed. Does that happen all the time with bigger people? The undertaker grabbed a glass from the cupboard and filled it with water from the tap. It hardly happens at all, but sometimes the thing smokes. It can even happen with smaller people. She crossed her arms over her chest. I don't like that. Did you know John from the fire department called? The undertaker gulped from the glass and raised his eyebrows. Oh yeah? Yeah, our neighbor called him about the smoke. She shook her head. How embarrassing. He chuckled. I hope you told him I had everything under control. I did, but I wasn't sure about that. The undertaker placed, placed his glass in the sink and came toward her with open arms. She walked into the hug and let him reassure her. He kissed her on the top of the head. As long as you don't see flames, it's all good. Great, she said. The undertaker stepped away and laughed. By the way, what is for dinner? Now I'm hungry, she scowled. That's disgusting. Over time, the undertaker perfected his cremation technique and the retort only billowed smoke on rare occasions. It became so rare, in fact, that the undertaker's wife barely worried about the crematory at all. But one summer afternoon, while the undertaker was out on a death call and she was all alone at the funeral home, she smelled that familiar acrid smoke. Tiny hairs on the back of her neck stood up and she tried to rein in her panic. She didn't know the difference between the throat air and the afterburner. How was she going to stop the cremator from smoking? She had to call him, but he wouldn't be able to abort the removal and come back to deal with it. The undertaker would have to walk her through which switches to flip. Oh my God, she had a horrible thought. What if I have to open the cremator and stir up the corpse? Gross, I can't do that. Her anxiety only grew when she looked out the window and saw wisps of black smoke wafting through the air. The undertaker's wife snatched her phone and ran down the steps to the back door, dialing her husband's cell on her way out. She hated to interrupt him during a death call. It was a sensitive, almost sacred event, removing a person who had just passed away. But she had no choice. She had to stop the cremator from belching that greasy smoke. The undertaker answered at the tail end of the first ring. Hello, he whispered. I'm sorry to bother you, she panted while running, but there is smoke everywhere. Calm down, he coaxed. I won't calm down, she lashed out. This is dangerous. What if it catches on fire? The undertaker's wife felt angry, fearful tears stinging in her eyes. 
Besides, we are polluting the entire neighborhood and someone is going to call the fire department on us again. He started laughing, which only fanned her fury. Stop laughing. This is freaking me out. She was almost to the crematory building, her breath coming in gasps. And you shouldn't leave when you're cremating someone. It's not safe. And I don't want to deal with it. But now, he interrupted her. Look at the stack. What? Look up at the stack, he repeated. There is no smoke, is there? She halted and looked up at the huge metal chimney, gripping the phone so tightly she felt it might crack in her hand. There was no smoke coming from the stack, yet that black and pungent haze shifted all around her. I'm not creaming and cremating anyone, he said, knowing by her silence she realized that as well. Then, then what's all this? I don't know, but I've got to go, he whispered, a smile in his voice. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I was scared, she said, still confused. It's okay, you little freak. See you soon. The undertaker's wife clicked off her phone and st- and turned to see a commotion on her right. She spotted the source of the smoke and heard the neighbors arguing. You are supposed to be watching these, Brenda. I don't even touch your precious grill, Calvin. Don't blame this on me. Damn it, you know how much those steaks cost. Plenty, I'm sure. Well, now what do you want for dinner? We definitely aren't having ribeye tonight. I realize that, Brenda. You don't have to be such a bitch. The undertaker's wife nearly collapsed with relief. She calmed herself and thought, so that smoke isn't from a body, but from steaks? But that is a body, a cow's body. As she contemplated humans and animals and how she just mistook someone's dinner for a dead burning corpse, she wondered why she was so surprised. After all, meat is meat. The undertaker's wife figured this realization should bring up some sort of revulsion in her, but it didn't. Instead, it just reminded her that she hadn't planned anything for dinner and she was getting hungry. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Remember, be kind. Any day above ground is a good one. And finally, keep keep on breathing. breathing.